welcome to Joy Sounds Music You Need to Know, and this is our debut live stream. I'm your host, Chris Sampson, and we're so excited to get this off the ground. For the past two years, we have supported independent artists through our podcast, and now we are entering the live stream space right here at twitch.tv slash joysoundsmusic. Uh, we've got an amazing lineup of artists, songwriters, producers, interviews, writers in the round, all kinds of things, and you're not going to want to miss any of it. So make sure that you give us a follow right here at Twitch or uh, on our social media, which is at Joy Sounds Music. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll be sure to post the schedule so that you don't miss anything. I want to take a second and thank our presenting partner, Music Connection. Music Connection has been an invaluable resource for the entire music community since 1977. They provide connections to managers, to labels, to PR companies through their industry directories. These lists are absolutely invaluable. They also provide reviews for unsigned artists through either their recordings or performance reviews, and they never charge a fee for any of these reviews. So you definitely want to check it out. So for more information, visit musicconnection.com. And thanks once again to Music Connection for your support of Joy Sounds. Um, In addition to spotlighting and showcasing independent artists, we are also going to bring industry professionals who support independent musicians so that we can even be a further resource. And that's what our guest is today. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Erin M. Jacobson, Esquire, and she is an internationally recognized attorney who has clients that include Grammy and Emmy Award winners, legacy artists, but also up-and-coming independent artists. And congratulations to Erin. She has recently been recognized by Billboard magazine as a top music lawyer for 2021. So that's very exciting news. She is also the author of Don't Get Screwed, How to Protect Yourself as an Independent Musician, a book that I think all of us need to have. And she is the founder and owner of Indie Artist Resource, another um, project that we're going to learn a lot more about during our conversation. So let's get into it. Let's start our conversation with Aaron M. Jacobson. Aaron, welcome to Joy Sounds. Hey, Chris. How are you? Awesome. It's so nice to see you. And thank you so much for being part of our debut. You too. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part of the debut. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And of course, as with any debut, we get a technical glitch at the beginning, but we got that out of the way. We're done. We're done. We're good. (laughs) We got that. Hey, first of all, congratulations on the recognition from Billboard. That's got to be just, that's got to feel great. Yeah, thank you. It's a huge honor to be recognized by Billboard magazine and um, with my peers in the industry. And um, this, yeah, is, this is your second year, second year my in second a row. Year. Mm-hmm. Man, fantastic! You are on a roll, and it is so well deserved. And you, you get tapped as a resource um, a lot by Forbes, ABC, and, and so it's clearly that you're becoming kind of a go-to person for um, these types of issues. Yeah, it's, you know, I've always been pretty vocal about speaking out for artists and rights owners and um, happy to do it, happy to spread the information. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, And one of the reasons that I really wanted you on the show is that um, 
your passion for supporting independent artists. And I, I, I got to know, where did that come from? Why do you specifically gravitate and have that work ethic to support independent musicians? Because they need protection. And it's That's not right. only independent musicians. All musicians really need somebody in their corner protecting them when it comes to the legal side and the business side of their career. And... I've always loved music, just my whole life. Even as a kid, I just considered myself a professional appreciator mm -hmm. of music. I was always excited about discovering new music or seeing concerts or learning more about my favorite artists. And then when I was in college, I learned more about the actual business side of music because mm. previous to that i only knew okay musicians perform music on stage and uh then i learned about managers and agents and copyrights and contracts and i learned that being a lawyer representing music creators and rights owners is was actually a real job and i thought that that was just the coolest idea. <laughs> and um, it really, yeah. it really allowed you to turn like a passion for being almost a fan of music into mm -hmm. a career path for you. Exactly. And the thing is, is when I started learning about these topics, and I was exposed to what is copyright, and what does that mean? And the contracts that uh, musicians sign and hearing all these stories about musicians getting screwed when they sign these contracts. Right. Um, all of that information just really clicked for me. It came to me really easily. It was like, yes, this is what I need to be doing. And again, I thought it was such a cool job to be able to, uh, to protect and represent uh, people that create music and people that own music. And um, so I just, decided this is what I'm going to do for my career and that's great went all in and never looked back that's great because I, I got to commend you on it we need more people like you who are mm -hmm. on the side of the independent musician because you're right it, it, it's fraught with um, pitfalls and challenges and a lot of that comes from the fact that we as musicians our creative brain don't necessarily live in that world. We like to make music and we get together and create something with our friends and uh, put bands together and partner with producers, but we don't necessarily stop to think that this is an asset or this is a relationship that could have some uh, difficulties for us later if we don't take the steps to um, protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that, yeah, at the end of the day, as creative as you are, having a career in music, you are a business, and, uh, and things can happen, and right. you have to kind of also have that mindset, but the benefit about having somebody in your corner that is protecting you means that you can spend more of your time on the creating, um, and you know that somebody's watching out for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, your book, what I really appreciate about your book, and and you can almost get a sense of the tone of it from the title, Don't Get Screwed, How to Protect <laughs> Yourself as an Independent Musician, is, is that part? one of the easiest ways to protect ourselves is just to get a little bit of information, to educate mm -hmm. ourselves in a very straightforward way. And um, it doesn't have to be intimidating. 
and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. What, what I appreciate your book is how approachable it is. It, was that part of the goal in how you designed that particular book as a resource? Yeah. So firstly, there's so much information online, a lot of misinformation mm. that kind of keeps circulating. And I keep getting questions about, well, can I do this? Or isn't it okay if I just use this little bit of somebody else's music? And yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't, you know, I mean, there's so many different ones. We'd be here all day if I went through all the examples. Right. But, um, but people were either overwhelmed or they didn't have the correct information. Um, and there wasn't really a book that broke down these basics that I was aware of because there are a lot of great books about the music industry, but many of them start at a little, at a level where they already expect you to understand some of these concepts. And I encounter people all the time that don't understand what copyright really is right. and why it's important to have it, who don't understand what all the different royalty streams are. And get them confused and then they don't understand how they're getting paid from their music or what agreements that they're entering into. Um, and so I said, you know what, there needs to be just a straight ahead. Here's what you need to know, plain English, put it together for you. You don't have to go on 50 different websites to try and figure it out. Mm. This is what you need to know. And it's, it's, you know, a, small size so it's like handbook size so you can you know keep it with you even if you need to if you're at a conference right. or even in a session <laughs> you can just pull it out real fast um so yeah i really wanted it to just be that you know that support and that here's what you need to know and here's how you can understand these concepts in a basic foundation that you can then build on. I so appreciate that. Yeah, because it's, it's quick, easy, accessible. And what I see is I can imagine the independent musicians sort of carrying it around with them and it's all dog-eared and highlighted mm -hmm. and, and underlined and, and those types of things. Because it's, it's, again, it's really intended to be a very straightforward, um, practical uh, resource with uh, with all that. Um, you had already mentioned it, but what are some of you know, like? And I know you said that there's so many that we can't even necessarily mention them. But what are some of the pitfalls that you routinely see independent musicians fall into? Yeah, the biggest one, really, again, is kind of we touched on it a little bit is lack of understanding or education mm. about these concepts because they are the foundation of everything on the business side of a music career, whether you're someone that creates music, whether you're like a company that owns music, um, whether you're a creator of music that also owns your own music. Um, so it, again, it's just, you know, if you don't understand what the rights are and what you're giving up in a contract, or you don't understand what the royalty streams are. So you don't understand how and when your music is earning money or what organizations that you need to sign up with in order to collect certain types of royalties. So yeah. that in those cases, 
Um, you're leaving money on the table. Like maybe your music is streaming, but you're not earning any money from it because you're not signed up with the proper agencies that are collecting those royalties for you. Right. Um, so yeah, it's that's really the foundation is that understanding and education. Then on top of that, it becomes not doing what you know you should be doing (laughs) or not having agreements with the people that you're collaborating with, because that's a huge, you know, part of it as to where people run into problems. Yeah. I have to say that that seems to be the pitfall uh, that I see a lot of people. Um, But it, 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 because it looks like um, uh, there are just some simple steps to do ahead of the time, ahead of time, split sheets, agreements, registering it with a PRO and all of that, because sometimes it becomes too late afterwards if there's a dispute, if there's a problem, because if there's not, not nothing in writing, it's it gets really complicated and hard to sort out. Is that correct? Very correct, yes. And I have people calling me all the time, well, I'm, I'm having this issue with my producer, or you know, I'm having this issue with the, my co-writer with the splits, or um, you know, I had this person play on my recording and now I'm having a problem with them. And, and my first question is always, okay, did you have a, an agreement with them? And yeah. so many times the answer is no. And it becomes very hard to go back and prove what the agreement was supposed to be and who did what that they weren't supposed to. Um, because the point of an agreement is to lay out in writing what the parties intend to be the framework of their relationship on a particular project. Right, right. So it's clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this, this, the complications uh, increase exponentially when you get into partnerships like with bands and mm-hmm. producer teams. The more people involved, the more complicated it gets. Because if you're in a band and all of a sudden you need to leave for one reason or another, mm-hmm. and you left your songwriting with them, even some of your property, some of the equipment, all of those things, if that hasn't been dealt with, that that's that could be trouble. Yeah, that could mean losing your work. I've had people call me with those issues too. And it, I mean, you could lose rights to your work in those situations. Um, if bands want to continue on, there can be problems about whether the band can even continuing to can continue to use that name right. the name of the band um so that's one of the one of the agreements that i talk about in the book is band agreements because when you're in a band i mean you're essentially kind of in a business marriage with people and you need to plan ahead as to what if that doesn't work out how do we proceed if that were to occur yeah yeah, absolutely. And you've not only made this accessible via the your book, you've made this incredibly accessible through Indie Artist Resource. And you've now you've put the tools in the hands of the independent musicians, because that's a question I get a lot. It's like, okay, you're telling me about all these agreements and everything. I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. But you have really um, sort of uh, provided that pathway for everybody to get those tools in Indie Artist Resource. And by the way, the website's on down below, so everybody can check that out. But describe for us, what is Indie Artist Resource? Yeah, so Indie Artist Resource is the resource for independent musicians to look to for legal and business protection when they're at a level that they can't add an attorney to their team. Mm. So... My inspiration for starting that was early in my practice as an attorney, 
I was getting calls from a lot of independent musicians that were just not at that level that they could hire an attorney, um, whether it be financially or because they were afraid because they never worked with an attorney or whatever the reason was. And I really wanted to help them. And I thought to myself, what can I do that helps this section of independent musicians that needs help, but really can't get somebody on their team at this point. Mm -hmm. And so that was how I thought of the idea for Indie Artist Resource. So I created this website with contract templates that I've drafted. So I know that they're legit (laughs) and uh, not, I mean, I see a lot of really bad templates on the internet, free templates and stuff. So um, I know that, you know, these are, are high quality and, they're at prices that independent musicians can afford. And it, the site also has a lot of educational resources. Um, so different uh, lectures that I've done, um, other documents that are helpful with organizing a catalog and keeping your information straight and things like that. Um, and yeah, so it just, and then I have the book, which adds to that. So yeah, it just, really, again, provides these resources and this foundation for independent musicians uh, to be able to, you know, have that support while they're while they're getting started and building their careers. I have to say, this sounds like such um, a a, a great um, area of support for independent musicians. I've seen some of those templates that are online and it's hard to it's hard to really sort of see, you know, to trust, you know, there's there's a there's a deal of tr- a great deal of trust. But for me, if I downloaded one of your agreements, is it is it binding? Does it give me the protection that I need under those circumstances? Yeah, so it's a real contract. Um, the only thing that I always tell people about templates is that because it's a template, um, some of the terms are more generalized in that it might Got not it. be exactly tailored to someone's specific situation because it's a template that has to be available to a large number of people. But, um, but yeah, it's based on contracts that I use and draft language that I draft in my practice as a lawyer. So, I mean, they are real contracts. That's fantastic. And, um, uh, I've always heard that as a, if I were an independent musician and I get, (sighs) a sync license or some other kind of contract my way. And I've always given the advice, you know, don't sign anything until you get a chance to have a lawyer look at it. Um, that still holds true, right? And, and yes. that, that, that helps that you can be that resource for somebody who is all of a sudden holding a contract. And it, it can be really confusing. Yeah, it can be very confusing. And even musicians that have an idea, maybe they've had some experience with contracts in the past um, and they think that they understand what it says. I've also encountered situations where I look at it and I go, well, but did you realize that, um, that this says this or that this income stream is funneling into that one or or that they're double dipping here or whatever the situation is. Um, And these are really nuances that I am trained to, to spot um, but you know, non-lawyers usually don't right. 
you know, see those as, right. as or, they don't pop out as much. Or so. also understand what's not there. Yes. A, a lot of times the most important things aren't what's actually in writing. It's the things mm -hmm. that are strategically left out. Am I right? Yes. Yes. That can also be. And people always say, well, I just want like a half page. Can you just, can it just oh. be like a page or a half page? And it's like, no, then there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that needs <laughs> to be there that's not in there. Um, but yes, I mean, anytime you are presented with an agreement, um, you should have a lawyer review it and not just any lawyer, not, you know, a family member who's in a totally different right. area of law besides music. You really want someone that focuses on music. Yeah. You know, as their main Because it's so it's so <laughs> it's so idiosyncratic. I mean the 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 music law and the music industry is so specific mm -hmm. that yeah, it's very tempting to get your your uncle um, who is a, a real estate lawyer to take a look right. at it, but it's it's probably not a great idea. Um, the other thing that I see quite a bit is, is obviously with contracts, negotiations take place. And mm -hmm. there is the natural back and forth. People redline things out. People add things, take away things. And it's, and it's a natural back and forth. And sometimes those negotiations are with colleagues that we're very close to. You know, and that we have a working relationship with and may have even been friends with for years. And sometimes it's better that somebody do those negotiations on our behalf mm -hmm. so that we can preserve those creative and um, working uh, relationships. Hey, Red Montauk, thank you very much for the follow. Um, and preserve those relationships um, for us. And I'm just wondering, is that also part of your role? If I was an independent musician and I... Um, you know, contracted with you to represent me, would you be able to negotiate some of those things for me? Yes, that's what I do every day. Okay, so I'm either <laughs> drafting contracts for people, I'm reviewing contracts for people. Um, and usually part of that process is also the back and forth with whoever the other, the other party's representative is. Um, yeah, and so and that's, that's my job, again, to protect my client, make sure that they're getting the best deal that they can get. So um, so that's taking whatever the agreement is and doing my best to improve those terms so that they get a good deal. And also, I'm because I'm very big on education, I'm consistently working with my clients to explain what they're actually signing so yes. they understand it because I see a lot of people too. They're like, well, I signed this deal and um, I didn't, I don't really understand what it was, but now this is happening. And, you know, and then I read it and explain it to them. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. I said, well, didn't you have a lawyer? Um, and they're like, yeah, but they didn't explain anything. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your business. So, right. um, so not only, Am I advocating on behalf of my client to get them the best deal? But I'm also making sure they're understanding what they're signing and that what they're signing is in line with their goals as well, because every client has different goals. And so I personally am not just looking at the paper in front of me, which is, of course, very important. Right. But I'm also looking at how that fits in with the big picture of where they they want their career to go or what their career go career goals are. This is so refreshing. You mean you actually get to know the artist? I do. Yes. Uh, I, I my know mind is my blown. 
my mind is blown. You actually understand what they're trying to accomplish, but also letting them know just what they're getting themselves into, that extra step to break it down into terms that we can understand is so appreciated. So, Aaron, like I said, we we need more of you in this world. So, I, I think that that's awesome. Um, if there are any really good questions that come over the chat um, from our audience, I'll relay those to you. Yeah. Um, well, I'm happy to answer questions. I just have to state that any answers I give are not legal advice and don't create an attorney-client relationship good. with Anyone that I'm answering a question for. Yes, yes, yes. Very, very good uh, point. Um, actually, a really good question just came up. Uh, can you discuss how you got into the music law practice area as a new lawyer? So kind of like, how did you break into this? Mm -hmm. So my path is a little... I don't know, not, not as traditional, <laughs> I suppose. Um, so, uh, so I went to law school. And then I had done internships and worked at firms and music companies while I was in law school in their legal department. And then I graduated past the bar and opened my own practice. And that is usually not what happens because usually people get a job at a firm or a company um, and sort of work their way up that way. Uh, but I just opened my own practice right out of school because I had been working in the in the music industry. I, I had had a podcast um, previously. I knew a lot of musicians and a lot of people in the music industry. I had met a lot of other music lawyers um, throughout things that I did in law school. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated and passed the bar, I felt like I was able to handle things. Um, and I was also getting referrals from all these people that I knew. And uh, so I was able to, to start my own practice and grow that. And I've been growing that and um, it's been 11 years now. Amazing, so, amazing. Yeah. Hey, let, let me turn that question uh, a little bit around and ask what advice would you give to somebody who wants to enter into um, being a lawyer, but specifically in music law? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, firstly, education is very important um, because there are some schools that have uh, music and entertainment law classes, but not all of them do. Um, and it is very hard to break in. Uh, so you do want to have as much knowledge uh, as you can. And also getting experience, doing those internships, meeting people. Um, I think those would be the, the two most important things to be doing. Yeah. Also do well in school, but that's <laughs> <laughs> the bar. But yeah, but I think as far as getting into music law, those would be the two most important. Those are, those are the givens, uh, without question. Um, I got another really good question that came in from our audience. Um, uh, what advice do you have to discuss legal issues with people you, that you don't know very well, who you're getting introduced to, and you know th this you're kind of giving them the truth? You know, uh, do you have to kind of warm up? How do you establish those relationships? Um, as I'm not sure, I understand how the question's directed. So, for me as a lawyer, yep. telling people that, okay, um, you know, I'm. You know, what you see is what you get with me. I'm very authentic. I'm very uh, direct. 
And, you know, I just tell people, look, I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm, you know, because it doesn't serve my clients or an artist. I mean, there's so much. I mean, Chris, you've been in the music industry for a long time as well. There's so many people that just, yes, yes, yes. Yes, you're the greatest thing ever. And they just tell you yes to anything you want to know. And that does not serve you, especially when you're going into something that is maybe not the best thing. Um, And so my job, again, is to protect my client, but, you know, it's not just a job for me. So I sort of feel like mama lion. I actually care, um, you know, hey, this is not going to be a good deal for you. And here's why. Um, And these are the problems that I foresee. Or, you know, this, there was a, I'll give us an example of a client that I had at one point and she was going to sign to a label and the, it was a independent label. And the person that owned the label was very difficult to deal with and, and did not have a good personality. And I said to my client, I think this is going to be a problem for you. I mean, there were issues with the paperwork as well, but I said, you know, I don't think people are going to want to work with you if you are associated with this person. And, um, and she goes, no, I know, I know them. It'll be fine. Hmm. And then six months later, she came back to me and said, get me out of this deal. Um, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I just, I just, I mean, that's my way. I mean, if, if you want somebody that's just going to tell you everything's fabulous all the time, then, you know, you can, you can go there find are, someone. There for are that. other people, but, other people, yeah, for there that are other job. people for that, but yeah. I'm, you know, I, I tell it like it is. I tell you the truth because I, that's, that's, what's going to be in your best interest. No, it, and that's what I'm doing is acting in your best interest. Yeah. And it's invaluable. Um, again, we, we so appreciate that somebody gives us just sort of a very straight uh, response. And yeah, I think everybody has to understand that that's, that is indeed in our best interest. So again, very much appreciate that. Um, in addition to your amazing work and support of independent musicians, you also deal um, with a lot of legacy acts and mm-hmm. their catalogs, and they've been making the news lately um, yes. with uh, the the sale of catalogs by Bob Dylan and Paul Simon and Lindsey Buckingham. A lot is going yes. on, and I was just kind of wondering if you got some insights as to like what is the climate like um, for these legacy artists, and uh, what are the opportunities and and your involvement. Yeah, the time is now. Um, <laughs> apparently, yeah, so, apparently. Right? Yeah, the uh, the catalog acquisition market, which is you know selling and buying music catalogs, is just so hot right now because it is a lot of it is just fueled by um, like venture capital, hedge fund investment money. So yep. there's a lot of money to be spent right now. Um, but it kind of so my role. I take a few different roles in this. So I will represent buyers or sellers, depending on the transaction, in a sale of a catalog okay. or copyrights. Um, but I also represent a lot of legacy songwriters and their estates. Um, so we, with that comes a lot of issues specific to, um, to older music, to estates within music, Um, And then I also work a lot with copyright terminations, which is a part of the copyright law that allows 
um, authors or their heirs to get rights back that they've signed away. And there's um, specifics as to how and when you can do that. Mm. Um, and it's, it's quite a bit of time after those works were created. Um, but yeah, so I work with that a lot to actually help uh, writers or their heirs get rights back um, that they had, you know, given to a company via contract. Right. Um, and sometimes that they relate to each other because sometimes, you know, I'm helping uh, a songwriter, their heirs get rights back, and then they decide maybe that they want to sell those rights afterward. Um, so, th so at that point, then I would be handling the sale, but it's, I love older music and legacy catalogs and it's a real, it's another real passion of mine to really kind of keep that music alive and keep the mm -hmm. legacy alive and making sure that this music is not forgotten just because it's older. Right. Um, so yeah, so I really, I really love working with those catalogs and very rewarding it's, a, it's amazing you've kind of have crafted this uh this career to help the people in need after having a long and productive career um who are going to um need some support and at the front end the the people who are just entering the profession who are really vulnerable um to, to come in so it seems like you've got this really sort of bookend mission of helping people new to the profession and helping experienced people in the profession. Yeah, that's, that's true. Actually. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people in the middle too. Of course, of course. Those, but, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I think, you know, I think I just want to, you know, help people. And I know that I know that I can be of service to them and I can really be an asset to, uh, to what they're trying to do and make sure that they're, protected because again when you're you know we're talking about protecting independent musicians that may not have the knowledge because they're just getting started but then when I'm dealing with with heirs for example I mean a lot of heirs that inherit music catalogs are not um they don't have any experience with the music business they just you know had a parent or a grandparent that um that happened to be in the music business so um, so for them, it's very overwhelming as well to try and go, okay, well, now I, I have these copyrights. What do I do with them? What are all these royalty streams that I don't know about? And um, so, yeah, but it, um, it happens at all stages of the industry. It really, it really does. I mean, I tell, I tell independent musicians about the importance of split, importance of split sheets or producer agreements. And then I have those same discussions with my superstar clients because <laughs> some producer is trying to claim writing credit yeah. on the song that they're not supposed to have. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It happens all the time. That's for sure. So as we wrap up here today, one of the things I really want to get your insight into, because I think you've got a, a really uh, unique perspective is what are the opportunities today for independent musicians? We talk so often about the downside of 
um, the new music economy and all of these types of things and, and things, traps that people can fall into. But this is also such an exciting time for independent musicians with a lot of opportunities. And like I said, I think you've got a particularly unique vantage point. I just want to hear it from you. What are the opportunities ahead for independent musicians? Yeah, the thing is, is that because of the internet and home recording and all these types of things, there is actually more opportunity for artists and musicians to get their music out there than there ever was. Because when you look at, you know, some of, even some of the biggest bands of our time, you look at the Beatles or, um, you know, Elvis Presley. At that time, the only way to really get famous was to get signed by a major label and have that label put your music out on all the radio stations and um, and then go on tour mm-hmm. and and to have that machine behind you. And now anyone can put their music out there on the internet and promote it and use apps to to you know gain followers. And so it's the door is is more open than it ever was. And yes, that comes with challenges too, as like if everybody's putting their music out, how do you stand out? Yep. Um, but that's that's a different conversation. And um, But it's doable. And the thing is too, is that I think it used to be a little more all or nothing, like superstar or you don't make it. And now there are a lot of people that can actually may not be superstars, but they can make a living right. creating music. And that was, and so that's a great opportunity that really is accessible to a lot more people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that insight. Yeah. And actually, I'm not going to let you go because a great question just came in on the <laughs> chat and I want to make, I want to get your insights. In yeah, this. that's fine. So um, from one of our viewers, thank you for this question. What are your thoughts on licensing your music for sites like Twitch and YouTube? Very applicable there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I mean, I actually, I I work in this space as well. And the thing is, is that music, music needs to be paid for. When you are a creator, you need to have, you need to have enough respect for your craft to understand that it has value. And the thing with um, the internet is that so many people think they can just grab other people's work and use it. And that's, that's not okay. And, and I especially think from one creator to another, you need to respect the work of your fellow creators. Absolutely. Um, And so, I mean, for Twitch, for example, I mean, there's, there's Pretzel Rocks, which is a great platform to use music on Twitch. And full disclosure, they're my client. Um, but, you know, we take pride in the fact that it's done right. Um, and people are getting paid for their work. Um, so, yeah. And that's because if you just pull off some random streaming service, that's there are rights involved in that that are not being accounted for. Um, so it has to be done in a, in a particular way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just, and it keeps opening up new things that you have to chase down. If it's Twitch or YouTube, it's like all these avenues where music <laughs> is popping up. So that's going to keep you busy for a long time, making sure that the key thing that you said, artists need to get paid. 
Yeah. And that's when we start. And do it right. And if you're like a Twitch creator, you know, use the right platform to to be able to use other creators' music fairly. There you go. I I so appreciate that. And that's such a um, great, yes. And if somebody mentioned TikTok and it's like, oh my goodness. So your work is cut out for you, but it's the right (laughs) thing. It's, it's, uh, the spirit of that is, is awesome. Aaron, we we can't thank you enough for being on the debut live stream of Joy Sounds. I want to tell all of our viewers and listeners to get more information at themusiclawyer.com. The music industry lawyer. Uh, Musicindustrylawyer.com. Yeah. I'm going to fix that. Thank you very much. And our uh, indie artist resource, um, uh, indieartistresource.com. And also check out the book, Don't Get Screwed How to Protect Yourself as an Independent Musician. Aaron, thank you. Congratulations again on your billboard recognition. Thank you. We so appreciate that. So thank you again for being a part of today's show. And thank you all for being here today. I hope that you enjoyed it. And um, please follow us here at Twitch, at uh, Instagram, at Twitter, at Joy Sounds Music. We've got so much programming coming up that you're not going to want to miss any of this. So once again, my thanks. My thanks to Music Connection for being my partner on this presentation. Everybody be well, take care of yourself, and we're going to see you next time. All best.